would like to stop and, and take just a few moments and a few sentences to recognize the importance of today uh, for us in the United States, certainly for Veterans Day, where we recognize and give thanks for those who, uh, who have volunteered and uh, who have been part of our defense of freedom. Um, I've, I've used in sermons in the past the phrase that I learned in grad school that so many of us were born on third base and believed we hit a triple. And a lot of that uh, really is true when it comes to our sense of freedom and where, in fact, the Lord had blessed us to be born to where we have never really felt any sort of struggle in speaking our faith and in living uh, in the ways that we choose as Americans. And for that, it is important for us to give thanks and recognize that, uh, even if it's... uh, uh, as Lutherans, difficult for us to figure out how to do it theologically appropriately. Uh, but we always have reason to give thanks for that. But also to remember that today is important, not just because it's known as Veterans Day in the United States, but around the rest of the world it's known as Remembrance Day. And that's because on the 11th day, the 11th hour, the 11th month, The guns stopped. And that really, today is also about remembering the ways in which we follow and seek after peace in our world. That it is always better for us to have peace than war. Because it's in peace when the gospel is able to be heard. It is in peace when the lives and the created bodies of ours are able to live. Therefore, we seek after peace in all things. This is tremendously hard. I was, I was 18 when 9-11 happened. And I remember sending friends off into war and some not coming back. And that is something that sticks with me today to where not just as a Christian but also as an American, we seek after peace. Because there was a time when war torn everything apart. So my encouragement today as we give thanks Thanks for those who have served, and we give thanks for those uh, who have sacrificed. We also give thanks for the peace that we have the opportunity to live in. And we pray for all our leaders, for all our soldiers, that peace comes and stays forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now on to our topic at hand. I think you would rather have heard that than what I'm about to talk about today. (laughs) Because as we begin, uh, and and you've been hearing in announcements, we're going to be dealing with the issue of money in the future. And as I heard even from MLT this last week, I need to talk about money. Because it's important. right? It's something that that we deal with in all of our life. And so for us in uh, the Gospel reading today, where we're talking about the widow's tithe, we automatically stop at the portion and see it as a money issue. All of us have money issues. Some of it is that we don't have any. (laughs) For some of it, you have too much. For most of us, or maybe, actually I will say all of us, is we don't know what to do with it. But there's more going on in this parable, in this story, I should say, of, of the widow and her tithe than just money. A friend uh, this past week asked me, 
he just read it to me and asked me initially what are my first thoughts in hearing this story. And I said to him, to me it sounds like the visual of the Magnificat. And just a reminder as we get are about to enter into Advent what the Magnificat is. The Magnificat is some of the first recorded words of response that Mary gave upon hearing the good news. The good news that Jesus is coming into the world and in fact he is the Messiah, the one who is to take on the sins of the world. And Mary, as she thinks about this and responds to her cousin Elizabeth, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. Now we, we have put the Magnificat into music. We have made it a part of our worship. It is something that's important to us as we go through Advent. And the reason we do that is because those words express the exact thing that he, our God, has done for each of us. Not just for Mary. How he has looked on the humble estate of you. How he has come into the life of this person like me. How for some reason he has chosen to know the name of not just me, but my children. And my friends. And my family. He has looked upon this humble estate of mine. A poor worker in the fields. A person who strives every day to make ends meet. This Magnificat. These statements are the exact status that each of us has before God. Because the good news that Mary heard is the same good news that you hear today. That the Lord has come. He has made all things new, including you. And including all of the possessions that you have. The hardest topics that we have in life, both money and sex, are the two topics that connect directly to this understanding. That the Lord has made you new. And in doing so, all the things that you have are now new as well. Therefore, we have every reason to give thanks. We have every reason to cry out like Mary did. In some ways, we have every reason to act ridiculous in worship, as well as pious and Lutheran. Because the Lord has done something great. He's come to know who you are. He's come to redeem your body. He has spoken to the depths of your soul. All of this done through His cross. All of this done by His resurrection. All of this hope comes into our life. And those things that oftentimes we make into our gods become nothing but emptiness. They can never fill the hole. But only the Lord has come and done such things in our lives. So you of humble estate, all of us who look much more, well, 
All of you look much more like the poor widow than the two dressed up Pharisees. The Lord has done some great things. So we have to ask, is this story of the widow and the Pharisee who is standing in such grand ways, the wealthy in front of all and giving, what is at issue here? Is it just the issue of money or is there something else going on? Within the context of this story, if you were to open your Bibles, and I, I wouldn't dare ask you to do such a thing like that in worship, but if, if you were to do that, and you were to look within the chapter of this reading, in chapter 12, you would see that there is kind of a progression of discussion that deals with this very thing. At the beginning of chapter 12, we have the understanding of the parable of the tenants, and we'll get to that in a moment. Then he has the teaching from Jesus where he describes paying taxes to Caesar, something that I'm sure all of us wish he answered differently than he did. Then he has his statements of the resurrection as well as the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself and then to answer who is Jesus himself. Then he gets to the widow's offering. And if you were to look within the context of these stories, you are to see that it's not just about money, but these are actual spiritual issues we are dealing with. The parable of the tenants is a story of the master who buys the land, gets the land set up, and he hands it over to the tenants for working. And while he's away in a distant land, he keeps sending messengers to the tenants to bring back some of the fruits from the field. But every messenger they keep sending, do you remember what the tenants do? They beat them or they kill them, right? Because they gotten used to the gifts that they had. They got used to the field that they worked and they saw it as their own. They got used to the hard work of their hands and what it produced and they found success or maybe identity or maybe all those things that we find in the world and they forgot the gift. They forgot who it was that gave it to them. They forgot, in fact, that all the things they worked were gifts themselves. In the statement about the taxes, Jesus describes of giving the money away to those who are in authority. Because after all, the money isn't yours. And here he describes worship. Worship by the heart. Worship where, as the widow comes forward and all that she has, she gives it to the Lord. Showing devotion and worship to her God. Not to the grandness of the temple, not to the palaces, not, not in worship to the priests or the pastors, not out of satisfaction with them either, but out of worship to God. Because where do gifts come from if not from the Lord? Well, this is in contrast to the other one. The one who is already serving his worship and, and his worship is not to God. It's not even to money. But who is it that he is worshiping in the public place? 
Himself. As He stands before the world, making it known the mighty works of His hands, the way that He has toiled in the field, His genius in crafting the way that He can get His money. And in doing so, He is able to give large portions, not in worship to God, but in worship of Himself. Our giving, our gifting, our money, our bodies, our work, these are also spiritual issues. Mary learned that her, herself, all of who she is and her entire life was being dedicated to God. The prophets would even say that it would hurt her. It would pierce her heart, the things that would happen. And her response was to give thanks and to magnify the greatness of God. You are someone who has been given tremendous gifts. You are someone who has heard of Christ coming for you, who has been baptized into the faith. You've come and you've received that living water and as even Jesus said over the, the well to the woman, there is a time now in which we worship in spirit and in truth. Not, not for ourselves, but for God. The story of the widow coming forward is a visual of the very Magnificat that Mary left us as a gift of the ways in which we ourselves who are humble and who have no low nature and cannot bring such things to the table on our own. In our worship, give all that we have to the Lord. And what that looks like is described to us earlier in this chapter. Because worshiping God isn't just loving the Lord our God. It is loving our neighbor as ourselves. It is in our daily life. It is in the way that we choose to give for our neighbors and to give for our God. It is not in the parade of those that go before us and the heavy amounts of bags of money we can bring into the church or into the world. But it is in the words and it is in the deeds and it is even in the way that we do sacrifice. Because in that is the message that we are ones who do not bring anything to the table for everything we have is God's. Every good and perfect gift that has come to us has come from Him. And every time we give of it and we give it away, He brings He brings it back to us in His grace, in His love, and in His blessing. As Mary gave of herself before God, she found God continuously coming to her and being with her. As the widow comes into this place, probably with the very coin that she had to beg to receive, she walks away also with confidence, knowing that as she gives to the Lord, He comes to her and visits her, giving her every strength, filling every need that she may have in the Lord. Our problem as people who are born on third base, 
who have the gifts in hand and body and in life is to not use them for our own worship and our own gain. The Lord gives warning in this statement of not to be like the ones who beat their brow and breasts in front of the world and call out their greatness. And in doing so, send the poor to the poorhouse. Take advantage of the weakest and the widow and even dishonor their offering before God. But to be faithful in all the gifts that we have received. This is part of our devotion and our life and our worship. It is part of the gifts that God has given you. It is part of the way that we grow closer to Him in trust and in faith. It is part of the way we worship in spirit and in fire and in heart. So my challenge to you as you come forward with your offerings, as you go out into your world and worship, is to see all that you are and all that you have as the widow did, as gifts from God. That no matter what state in life that you are found in now, that you remember what the Lord has done and your worship and praise sounds like that of the Magnificat, as it looks like that of the widow. For this is part of our life as Christians. This is part of our life as ones who have received every good gift from above. This is part of our life that is continuously made new in the cross and resurrection of Christ. Amen.